Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. This is Johnny Z, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. This is episode 317. We're going to be looking back at year 2022, a year in the life of our boys in Metallica. I'm excited. When this whole thing is said and done, which apparently now that they're rolling out a new album and a new cycle isn't going to be anytime soon, we will have done in excruciating detail every year of the band. That's right. Yeah, there's only, uh, aside from what we're doing right now, there's only, I believe, five years left we have to cover, other than, obviously, future years. Yeah. Interesting. All right, cool. Well, listen, let's just get right into it here. Everyone's busy. Everyone's got stuff to do. That's right. We're going to try to clock this in at about two and a half, three and a half hours. Yeah, that's it. Real real quick one. Just a real quick episode for everybody. We're going to do the housekeeping. We're going to burn down what the boys were up to this year. Uh, in the news, Metallica's Inner Sandman joins the One Billion Streams Club. Oh. Only three metal songs ever have done it. The other two are Linkin Park songs. That's cool. In the End, which of course I know, and then a song called Numb, which I don't know. Well, I mean, listen, Linkin Park was a pretty massive band with some monster hits. I like a lot of Linkin Park tunes. Uh, the Meteor record, by the way, is a great one. Just would have thought it would have been a different band than Linkin Park. It's Metallica and Linkin Park, not Metallica and Iron Maiden or Black Sabbath right. or Pantera. It's Linkin Park. I mean, I'll say, you know, that's especially the song In the End. I mean, you know, I've, I've been doing a little Ubering <clears throat> over the winter to make some extra cash, and that song is on the radio all day long every right. time i hear i'm listening to like 102.9 or 105.9 the butt or the rock that song's coming on so it's not going anywhere so good for them good for metallica that's 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 exciting news they were also the number one streamed band on spotify in all of 2022 hell yeah i want to say thank you to a couple of new patrons you're gonna hear a commercial for that later but there's all sorts of benefits over there at the patreon you hear us talk about it every week we'll keep it short and sweet but we do want to give a shout out that's what we do at the very minimum to both john and brad c thank you guys Hell yeah, guys. Thank you so much for joining the train. We're really grateful for everyone on Patreon, man. Really, it, it keeps, like we've talked about before, it keeps the lights on over here. It's like buying us a cup of coffee or a beer per month. And uh, we're eternally grateful. Uh, we're, we're able to give away awesome stuff to, to fans and put on these parties that we're doing here soon. And uh, so, yeah, thank you guys so much. And it's the right thing to do. I mean, let's face it. It's the right thing to do. That's right. It's what the Lord wants you to do. We're on all the socials. By all the socials, I mean Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Amazon. We have a new merch store. Now, this is exciting. We have a, instead of using campaign Everpresses, Everpress campaigns every couple of months or once or twice a year, we now have a dedicated merch store. You can find the link in our bio of Instagram, or if you really can't find it, email us and we'll email it to you. But we have all of our shirts that we've done before, a couple of new things. We have hoodies, trucker hats, beanies. 
you can get a lot of different colors, different sizes, and it's just always available. It's just there permanently. Like we, the, the, the Everpress thing was a whatever, 15-day campaign or something like that. This is just there all the time. If you missed out on something, like no, no, not to mention any names, Dave Ferraro, but those days are no more. There's no missing out now. It's just there for whenever you want it, okay? You really blew it, Dave. I'm really going to have to just hammer him, hammer it home here that we reminded him in person and he still blew it. So there you go, Dave. Shout well, out to Dave. Hey, Dave. Uh, we have some sad news about the party. Well, let me preface it by saying the party is still happening. It's not the ultimate sad news, but it's pretty big. I am not going to be able to make the party. Uh, I have gigs to do with Morgan Acoustic Gigs down in Florida. I just figured out that or I just found out that I'm going to have to be down there and there's no way for me. It's eight hours away. Yeah. So I'm not going to be at the party. Now, before all 600 of you go cancel your reservations, let me just say that Ethan's well capable of putting on a wonderful party. I don't think that many people were there to see me. I think people were there to just be meet other Metal Up Your Podcast folks. And so, but I am here to say I will not be at the party. So I'm, I'm sure there will be people disappointed about that. Yeah, for sure. But there's not much much I can do about it. There's not much you can do about it, but um, yeah, we're still going to put on this awesome party. Paul's going to be there. Brad Blaze is going to be there. Metallicals are going to be there to help out and stuff like that. We're still, the point is still to come down, have a good time, all that stuff. We are going to miss Clint dearly. It's an unfortunate part of our world and what we do for a living. It's sometimes this stuff happens. Daddy's got to eat. That's right. Daddy's got the lights to keep on. Daddy's got a new pair of Jordans to pay for. <laughs> so anyway, I am sad to say that. I'm sorry I'm going to miss everybody. I was really looking forward to seeing everyone. I'm sure it's going to be a great time. I can't wait to hear all about it. I did a Metal Your Podcast radio of my 10, 10 songs from my favorite 10 records this week. And I did kind of a really different format for it. Um, I won't go into too much detail about it, but it got a lot of good response. So I just wanted to highlight that. I did do a Q&A, but like I wrote this whole essay about You've Got in the Movie, You've Got Mail. Mm-hmm. It's a very different kind of radio episode. Cool. So I just wanted to point everybody towards that. The easiest way to get a hold of us is show at gmail.com. We're going to go now to the email corner and figure out what's going on with the uh, the community. Let's go. All right. Our first email is from Michael Arona. Which, by the way, if having that name, if you don't hear the knack, Michael Arona. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the, that's the comedy chops that we're up to over here. Or if you're chilling on the beach, drinking beer, my Corona. Exactly. I mean, there's so many things you can do with this, Michael. I, Those I mean, might be the only two, actually. Okay. Well, if two, <laughs> if two are there's so many things, then listen, you, you got a merchandise empire waiting for you or something, or a, a parody album. And then a lawsuit, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's fine. You'll, you'll make enough money to pay for that, and you'll break even, so lose, lose. Uh, Michael says, good day, how do? Hey, Clinton, Ethan, hope you're all doing well. The last time I wrote into the show was my first time back in February of last year. Can't, I can't believe it was that long ago. Introducing myself to the both of you and the rest of the Metal Your Podcast family and telling the Las Vegas show that I went to with my mom. Since then, a lot has happened, both good and bad, but screw the bad stuff. I thought I would share the biggest news of the year. Drum roll, please. We end our lives as moles. We end our lives as moles <laughs> in the dark of Dawn Patrol. He says no, of course. The old... There it is. There's the moles. <laughs> Uh, he says, no, I'm kidding. I'm moving to Nashville. Yes, that's right. I'm moving to the land of country music in the middle of February. I'm actually moving for school. I'll be attending Musicians Institute Guitar Craft Academy to learn how to build and repair guitars and amps. I'll be out there for about a year and a half by myself and would love to meet you guys for a cup of coffee or a beer if you guys ha- aren't busy on the road with Morgan. Anyways, just wanted to share the news with you 
you guys, and hope you are having a great rest of your day or night. Have fun always. Michael Arona. Michael Rona. Whittier, California, New Jersey. Well, congrats on the move, and good luck with, uh, I guess that's like a luthier school. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's some serious stuff, man. There's, and there's, you know, there's always a need for that kind of stuff. You know, guys like Clint and I can only do so much in the repair world, and sometimes you got to call upon the professionals. All right, Andrew Be- Belly writes in, hey, Ethan, Clinton, Paul, wanted to wish you a happy and safe New Year's. Wait, did someone let the dogs out? Did someone let an amazing dog out? They did. Man, this neighborhood. All right. Just wanted to wish you all a happy and safe new year. Still loving, still love listening to the podcast, being part of the Metal Podcast family. It's still the best podcast community out there. I would have loved to have come to the birthday this week, but it's a little hard from Melbourne, Australia. Honestly, if COVID hadn't ruined everything, I think I may have been able to go to one by now. Maybe next year I'll tie it in with a visit to the Indianapolis. Oh, to Indianapolis to see my brother. I did a Metal Tales with him where he came to Indianapolis and kind of hit three of the worldwide shows in the cool. midwest he says ethan your deep cut dive on lux was brilliant loved your drumming bang on i couldn't that must be an australian phrase bang on mate do we know another australian in the magic box good day mate <laughs> let's put another shrimp on the barbie i love that laugh so <laughs> I know, much it's so good i couldn't believe how much effort you went into it it was rocking and much appreciated as always, stay well. Thanks again for all you guys do for the podcast and us loyal family members. Andrew Bell's Belly, New Jersey, Melbourne, Australia. Uh, well, thank you, Andrew. That's very kind of you to say. All right. Our next email is from Martinez Cavellis. Regarding the latest Metal Up Your Podcast radio, that was one of the best pods I've ever listened to. So much feel and emotion. Thank you, Clint. Have a great year. Short and sweet from Martinez. There you go. I mean, you heard it from him. He said it's one of the best podcasts he's ever listened to, so you ought to go check it out. All right, right. Jeff Ulton says, what's up, brothers? We got a Hulkster around, too? Good grief. Is everybody here today? Well, let me tell you something, brother. I've been a listener for a few months, and I've got to say, as a non-podcast listener, your podcast is undoubtedly, objectively, the best podcast of all time, easily. Well, I don't know what kind of science he's using over there, but Daddy likes it. I like that kind of science. And guess what, buddy? Guess what, Jeff? You are a podcast listener now. That's right, man. Welcome. Welcome to the, the realm. Because you somehow found the best one of all time, which, again, is us. Yeah. Um, according to him. Those are his words. Yeah, not our words at all. Now, do I agree with him? Yes. But did I say that? No. No. A bit of backstory with my Metallica journey. My parents both grew up listening to the boys. My mother even got to hang out with them during their Ride the Lightning tour. Wow, that's interesting. Needless to say, I've all maybe she stole their gear from the channel in Boston in '84. Oh, yeah, Jeff, you might want to look into that, man. You may want to see if there's any, uh, you know, dust-covered uh, instruments in the basement, old yeah. mom's basement. Needless to say, I've always been aware of the music since I was a kid, but never became a fan until I heard the song "One" on a road trip with my dad and some of his buddies when I was in the ninth grade. From then on, I dove into the band. I was very interested in the '90s stuff. Fuel and whiskey are some of the first songs I remember liking because I never heard it on the radio as compared to their 80s catalog. Since then, they've quickly risen to the top of my favorite artists. My first and so far only tattoo is the puss head design on the one single cover. Funnily enough, my ex-girlfriend that I was with at the time did not want me to get the tattoo because she said the subject matter of the song, quote-unquote, freaked her out. Mm. And she would oddly get super anxious whenever I would play the song in my car, home stereo, etc. I still got the tattoo and we're no longer together, so I guess everything worked out anyways. (laughs) Well, now you can just think of her every time you see the tattoo. And That's you right. know what? It's not unreasonable for her to get freaked out when that song comes on. It's a very creepy song. It's a dark song for sure, yeah. But that artwork is badass. It's a great tattoo idea. And it does sound like maybe things weren't meant to be with this couple. Right. Which is fine. Most Actually, most don't. Most most couples don't work out. That's right. But you know what? Tattoos are forever. And tattoos are forever, buddy. I discovered your podcast while at my job. 
And from the first episode, I could tell that you that there aren't many podcasts like yours with the natural chemistry and humor that you guys have. I'm currently around episode 200 ish. I listen to your podcast for around seven hours a day while working. Wow. I love all the metal up your podcast inside jokes. And I often chuckle to myself when someone mentions the SNM version of the outlaw torn. Is that still a running gag? You'll find out. I'm planning to sign up on Patreon soon, which is new for me because I do not enjoy the subscription model for most services. But you guys provide me with so much daily entertainment that it's a no-brainer. See, he's got the right idea. Yeah. He says, it's like when you run the best podcast around. <laughs> thanks for the laughs, boys. Jeff O. Jeff O. Well, thanks for the kind words, Jeff O. And go check your mom's basement. And if she has that equipment, please send it to us and we will uh, give it away at our party. Yeah, exactly. Um, or keep it. Uh, next email is from Derek Nineman. Hey, Clinton Ethan. I'm just sitting here listening to you guys over the deep dive of Lux Eterna, which plain and simply makes me smile. At risk of removing the mystery behind the song, your excitement describing how they play this stuff is obvious and is just one of the many things I love about your show. This past week in my Metallica world has been a long time coming. New song, new album, world tour. I miss the announcement, build up, and the shows on the Hardwired album cycle. It was, uh, he says, it was out, out two, uh, two full years before I even heard, of the, uh, heard the first song. So it's been 14 years since the wonderful feeling of sharing new, Metall- new Metallica and the buzz surrounding it. I'm so excited about all of it. Five more months before hearing more is just a killer long wait. So as you said, hopefully other singles will come out prior to the release. I dig the new song and can't wait for more. I'm going to two cities to see the Met Boys. Uh, both shows in Montreal and Edmonton the next two Augusts, <laughs> which is weird to think about. Uh, what's cool, I'll be seeing my first Metallica show with one of my sons. Hopefully both, time will tell. Yes, the shows are expensive. I heard that money talks. <laughs> I was thinking about going to the Denmark show, too. Maybe. Well, shoot, I mean, is, is Fran Drescher here, too? Money talks and bullshit walks. Kill Bon Jovi. Kill Bon Jovi. Now, the main reason for my email. I have a limited edition 40th anniversary poster that I bought earlier this year on a whim. I like it a lot, but I have no seminal attachment to it other than it being a Metallica poster. Because I was not there to see those shows. In fact, I still have it in the tube. It was shipped in, open only to look at it, then return to the tube. That being said, it would be a fantastic raffle or door prize for your sixth anniversary party if you're doing that sort of thing, of course. I have every intention to make it to the party, but would like to send, send it to you just in case the last minute thing arises and I don't get there. You'll find it in mint condition. If this sounds cool to you, please send me an address so I can ship it to you in time for the party. Well, that's very generous. Nice. Uh, lastly, I would like to throw my name into the Metal Tales pool for any of the upcoming four, uh, four upcoming shows. Metallica has always been, I always have a place in my heart, and I'm finally feeling brave enough to share why. Hell, James said it best. We are all Metallica, right? He ends by saying, thank you guys for all the entertainment you give to me personally. I'm lucky to have found this podcast. He says he doesn't listen to any others. Wow. And will surely listen uh, until you stop. I hope to meet you guys next month. Metal up. Derek Nenemin from Charlotte, North Carolina, New Jersey. So many New Jerseyans today. Here's the deal with the Metal Tales, what he's talking about. Maybe you don't know what that is. It's a way for you to come on the show and talk about one of the shows that you're going to on the M72 tour coming up. The only way you can do that is if you're a patron. Yes, we only let patrons do that. Deal with it. Sorry. Thank you for donating the poster. I'll get back to him. Uh, we definitely would like to have it. So I'll, I'll, um, I'll get back with him, Ethan, and Great. make sure he knows where to send it. But it sounds like he's coming to the party anyway. So maybe if it's too late for him to mail it, he can just bring it. Thank you, Derek. And I'm glad you're going to get to see the boys on this this new tour and you get to relive the excitement of the new cycle. That's right. All over again. We're glad you're on the ride. And I will say, I mean, previous person who wrote in said we were the best podcast ever. That's what he said. That's what he said. But I would encourage you to check out other podcasts. I mean, there's lots of really, really great. I listen to like 15 podcasts. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, I would encourage you to dip your toe into the water. We're not the only good one out there. It's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, we might be the best according to somebody else, but th- there's more out there. Yeah. All right, our last email, Billy Plett says, What's up, my brothers? Haven't written in a while since way back when I first hopped on the Patreon train, which thank you for doing that, Billy. He says, Which, by the way, regardless of my financial situation, you're no different than having to pay my internet bill. Not because I have to, but because it makes my life that much better having it, and I'll pay for that. That'll preach. That'll preach, man. Anyway, I'm so excited about the news our boys dropped on Monday. This is obviously an email uh, that harkens back to the yesteryear of when the uh, album was announced. Right. And you better believe I'm going to be buying some tickets when they visit Soldier Field next August. I've listened to Lux Eterna quite a bit since it dropped, and it's got me pumped for what's in store for us in April. As of writing this email, I haven't checked if you guys dropped a new episode because of the news, but I can't imagine you guys wanting to wait to talk about this for another week. Haha, which we dropped an emergency episode immediately. The same day. But I wanted to share my thoughts on what I'm thinking we can expect for the new album and tour. Blows my mind how they're going about doing their shows for this tour. One ticket purchase being good for two shows. He says, I'm sorry, what? Baking powder? <laughs> from Wayne's World. <laughs> yeah. I want to be one of the first to say, and I'm hoping you'll read this out loud for the world to hear. This tour is going to be unlike any other they've done, let alone anyone else. Reading into what the upcoming album is called, 72 Seasons, they say is about the first 18 years of their true or false selves, the concept that they were told who we are by our parents. Lux Eterna has every ingredient of what Metallica's sound and feel is, has been, and ever will be. Loud, fast, unapologetic about who they were and are now. They're a force of their own, and it burns bright for the world to take notice whenever they come flying back into our lives. I feel like the song represents that. In Latin, Lars says it means eternal light, which no matter how bright others may be, there will always be this one. For us, that's Metallica. But to me, with them planning these shows as two-night events, these aren't going to be your typical Metallica shows or any other rock metal show for that matter. This is meant to be an experience, not just a metal concert. I wouldn't be surprised if these shows are going to be a kind of biopic of themselves where they play everything that's ever gotten them noticed when they were kids to where they stand today as an American metal band that's literally done everything. But with touring on this new album, every show will probably be like a Metallica-produced documentary that only they can tell from their point of view and no one else. This is an ambitious idea. That's right. Just something about the album title they chose to the single they dropped and how they're touring for it all tells me that even if you're not a fan, you could probably still come to the show and know exactly what Metallica is. And other than some kind of monster or murder in the front row, there isn't a documentary out there right now that covers them in their entirety from 1981 to 2022. They're known for going outside the box and touring in a biopic way would be unlike anything anyone's done before. Just my thoughts as I sit here planning my time off of work to get to these shows. Thank you guys for all that you do with this podcast. My girlfriend, who isn't really a fan, uh, I sent her the Howard Stern show announcement from Lars telling her this is epic. No response as an hours went by since, LOL. But I know I always have Clint and Ethan to get excited with when we get the news like we got today. Love you guys. Keep doing what you're doing forever and always. From Manuka, Illinois, New Jersey. New Billy. Jersey. Thanks, Billy. Yeah, I mean, look, we've got a lot of really awesome women who love the show and who love the band. And yeah. Metallica is one of those bands that has reached into people's lives and sort of broken down all the walls of gender and politics and religion. Yeah. But having said that, generally speaking, yeah, the ladies don't like metal as much not nearly as much there are plenty out there of course like clint said but it's if you go to a metallica show it is mostly dudes <laughs> now i know someone up is going don't paint with such a broad brush stroke my homie don't do it don't be one of those people that goes but i know a lady who likes it listen i get it so do i but a lot of women don't we had a guy up here earlier who may have may or may not have broken up with his girlfriend because he kept playing the song one for her and then got a one tattoo that she didn't want him to get. Right. If you want to go see a band, well, they're not playing anymore, but if you wanted to go see a band with less ladies at the show, 
That band's called Rush. I don't think a single lady ever went to a Rush show in their <laughs> 45 years of playing music. It's 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 documented. Well, look, it's that simple. <laughs> Metal Your Podcast Show at gmail.com. You can clickety-clack your own thoughts in your own brain all the way to us via the magic of Jeff Bezos' science. And it will come to us, and we will read it on your favorite podcast. We will read it on what some are saying is the greatest podcast of all time. That's how simple it is. Yeah, it's so simple. And those aren't our words. Those are your words. I didn't say it. No, Look, we're just here to accept the award. Do I believe it? Yes. Do I have I thought it since day one? Yes. But did I say it? Would I ever deign to say it out loud? Of course not. Because no. another thing that God gave me, other than the ability to make the best podcast in the world, little thing called humility. Humility. And I like to say sometimes, humility is my best quality. All right, we're going to dip into, uh, we're going we're gonna to burn the year down, but first you're going to hear a commercial from Patreon. If you're willing and able, you can hop on the train. All these testimonies from these people who have had a good time doing it, Pay attention to them. It's the right thing to do. And you can come on the Metal Tales. You're going to get giveaways and vinyls and all this stuff. But if you can't, we're just glad you're here and we love you, baby. We'll see you in a minute. All right. Hey, everyone. Clinton Ethan here. And we want to tell you about a little thing called Patreon. Patreon is an easy and interactive way to support the people who make the things that you love. For as little as five bucks a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast can continue to grow in quality and content. That's equivalent to a cup of coffee or a beer once a month. Not only is it easy and affordable, but we've made it a priority since day one to give back to our Patreon community. We've given away deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, black and whiskey, concert tickets to SM2 and Slane Castle, all four of our Cover Our World Black and EPs, 26 quarantine covers, and Lunar Satan demos, invitations to exclusive Zoom happy hours, the ability to ask our guests like Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, Lizzie Hale, and members of the Metallica crew your very own questions, and eligibility for our Metal Tale series where you can be a guest on Metal Up Your Podcast and tell us all about a notable Metallica show you've been to. Subscribe to Patreon today and immediately get access to years' worth of bonus content. Thank you for supporting the people who make the things that you love. Peace. Adios. I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, Nuprin. Little, yellow, different. Once again, brought to you by Nuprin. Nuprin. I mean, we're so thankful for their sponsorship all these years. It's quite, quite amazing. <laughs> I mean, you know, when I have a headache, you just want something that works. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of medicine out there that'll do the job. But Nuprin, little, yellow, different. Yeah, it makes your entire world black, black and white other than those little pills. It's quite impressive. Well, in a world of, of dull grays and blacks and whites, Nuprin really shines through with that yellow. And honestly, based on that, Nuprin should be the, the full like headache sponsor of the M72 tour. You're absolutely right. They should be the tour sponsor, 100%. I'm also reading Bono's new book, which is really good, by the way, if you like you too. And uh, the whole theme of that book, too, is also black and yellow. This cool. must be the year of black and yellow. It is. is. Is this the big year that Striper makes a huge comeback to? Dude, to hell with the devil. To hell with the devil. What do they call it? The yellow and black attack? Yellow and black attack, man. <laughs> to hell with the devil. I mean, listen, Christian rock, glammy band, if you like that kind of music, they were a kick-ass band. Now, it's a little corny. They were fine. As far as, you know what I'm saying, as far as like if that genre, if that's what you're into, you like that 80s hair metal stuff. I mean, here's what they were. I think maybe here's what you're trying to say. They were legitimately 
one of those bands. Yes, they were legit. They weren't pretending. They they really wrote the riffs and played the solos and had the looks. Instead of throwing condoms to the crowd, they threw out New Testaments. They did. They were just <laughs> a bunch of fucking dorks. <laughs> and <laughs> I've got friends that have like toured on them with crews and stuff. They were doing all the stuff that 80s rock bands were doing. Yeah. Which kind of makes the whole God stuff gross. But I, I think if you're wanting to listen to like good 80s metal, there's a lot of alternatives that aren't a bunch of dorky bullshit yeah you want to get a band with like just chock full of hits listen to a little band called bon jovi yeah like if bon jovi's out there why listen to some weird version of it where they're pretending to know things that no one knows yeah and singing uh, about god and the devil having war on a mountain like i'd rather listen to dio yeah yeah exactly which by the way the new dio documentary is fantastic dreamers never die um but listen we're not here to talk about dio we're here to talk about metallica in the year 2022 this was a pretty mellow year, you know, as far as uh, touring activity, things like that. There were some things announced. Obviously, we'll get to that. Avi of the sleep. Avi vinegarously. We'll See, get to that. More comedy gold. More comedy gold. Listen, you're in, you, you've 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 exited to Punville over here. We're your guides. All right. Well, listen, this is pretty wild. They only did 26 shows in 2022. 15 of those were festivals, 11 of their own shows, and only nine U.S. shows in all of hmm. 2022. Um, 17 overseas shows in 14 countries, and they finally did their rescheduled South America tour. The festivals they did last year, normally we wouldn't read off every single show they do throughout the year because there's a lot more, but this is uh, pretty quick. Bottle Rock in Napa, California, Boston Calling in Boston, Copenhagen in Copenhagen, Pink Pop in Landgraf, Netherlands, Firenze, however you say that? Firenze. Firenze? Firenze? Firenze. Firenze Rocks in Florence, Italy, Prague Rocks in Prague. Download Germany in Hockenheim, Germany. Hellfest in Klissen, France. Fraunfeld Rocks in Fraunfeld, Switzerland, which was canceled. We'll get to that later. Rock Vuchter, which is, I've done that. It's a great festival in Belgium. Bilbao, Bilbao Biz Kai. Wow, I'm really loving hearing you read all this. Do we need to read all these? <laughs> we don't have to. Uh, there's only four left. Mad Cool, NOS Live, Lollapalooza, Global Citizens Festival New York. Yeah, the only uh, headline shows they did were Vegas, San Diego, Chile, basically all the South America dates, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Hollywood, and Los Angeles. So getting into the timeline, one of the first things of the year we find out is uh, Mr. John Zazula passing away. And, of course, we'll get to uh, we'll get to the tribute show they do later on in the episode. But uh, that was a big, you know, a big day. You know, he's a, he's a legend in the metal world, helped Metallica get their start with Megaforce Records. You know, he would later on hand them off to our good friend Michael Alago at Electra. Yeah, huge loss in the metal world. I remember when we interviewed him, which he he'd put out a book. I can't remember what it was called. What was his book called? I don't remember off the top of my head either. <laughs> I read it in like one night. But his publicist reached out to us to talk to him about his book, which was mm -hmm. awesome. We had set up a time. I'm trying to remember how this worked. I think I was camping on the weekend and coming home on a Sunday and my wife wasn't in town. Yeah. And we had a, we had a certain time, let's just say it was 1 PM. Well, we get to my house and I had locked myself out of my house and we didn't have a spare key outside. <laughs> so I, I don't know if you remember this, but I had to wait for my wife to come home for whatever she was doing. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get a hold of John to like postpone. Right. Yeah. Because I didn't want him sitting at a computer waiting for a zoom call that was not coming. Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. And somehow, like, as I was like, we, we ended up only being about 15 minutes late, but he had sent some email back that was like, I was about to hang up on you motherfuckers. Where were yeah. you guys? Like, <laughs> totally. And I'd never talked to him before, and I just read his book, which I thought was really good. I remember thinking like, oh no, is this guy going to be a difficult character? And then he turned out to be great. He was super sweet. But he, but you know, if, if you, you know, hadn't talked to him the way we did, 
he he would assume he's a bit of a you know kind of a, a chiseled guy that's that's seen a lot in his life and doesn't have the patience for two knuckleheads like us you know locking getting locked out of the house but he couldn't have been sweeter we had such a great talk with him uh i think you were camping i was coming home from a cabin trip and listened to the audiobook on the whole way home and uh man what a, what a, what a sweet dude we're we're forever grateful that we got to talk with him for about an hour I mean, I haven't revisited that episode, but I remember feeling real good about it. And because mm-hmm. he, he really warmed, I think once that's the thing about doing those interviews that I, I don't know if our listeners really understand. Here's what I would like for them to understand before we even start talking, which is impossible. But here's what I would like. I would like them to already know that we're not dumb dumbs. Yeah. And so much of when you try to wrangle these people to talk to them, there's so much, at least for me on my end, there's a lot of work on the front end of trying to make sure they know that we know what the fuck we're doing and talking about. Right, exactly. Which, if you think about that, can be exhausting. Like, imagine going up to someone like Michael Lago or the Rob Dietrich or, or Chad, James's guitar tech, or Mick Wall, mm-hmm. and saying, hey, I have this metallic podcast. Is there a worse sentence in the world? Is there a <laughs> sentence people want to hear less? Here, here are the only two. Yeah. Here are the only two worst sentences then I have a Metallica podcast. I had the craziest dream last night because no one wants to hear about your dream that you can barely remember. Right. And number two, I wrote this poem. Mm-hmm. No one. Those are the worst sentences ever uttered. <laughs> right. And I've had to say that to lots of guests. And I'm like, look, yeah. we have this podcast. And it's almost like um, Louis C.K. had a great bit about ugly guys like him that like try to meet women, you know? Yeah. Where he's like, if they just realize that I'm funny, it's like, he, when he approaches one of ours, he's like, hey, just give me a second. <laughs> just just give me a few minutes. <laughs> and it's like, look, and I call it the elevator speech because it's something you have to be able to condense down and say to somebody in the time it takes to ride an elevator with them. Yeah. I have a Metallica podcast is a horrible thing. Yes. But, hey, we're two professional musicians. We know what we're doing. Here's our pedigree. We really are interested in your story. We're going to edit it well. We're going to curate it well. We're going to make you feel right at home. And we're going to bring out the best of, of what your part in this whole beautiful celebration is. Right. Exactly. Now, luckily, I'm a wordsmith. Words are my life. I'm a genius who is part of the greatest podcast of all time. But that still is exhausting. And it's a little easier when they reach out to us, which has been the case of the last several years. I think yeah. Rob Dietrich reached out to us, too. So they already want to talk to us or they've either heard the podcast or they at least know that it gets enough listens to make sense to talk about whatever they're promoting. Exactly. But I do think with the Zazula, when we, we settled into it, he had his like grandkids kind of running around. We had some laughs and I, mm-hmm. you know, it, it got very comfortable real quick, but it, it did, did start off with me being like, oh no, this like kind of grizzled New Jersey guy <laughs> yeah. is like upset that we're late, you know? Yeah, so, Exactly. I, I I remember during the interview, I remember feeling like, you know, maybe because, you know, he's 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 a pretty serious dude. And I kept thinking like, man, how much of his time can we take up? I, I, I'm starting to feel kind of weird, like I, he could just bail at any moment. But then it just kept rolling and kept rolling. And he was still engaged and he was telling stories and laughing and having a good time. And, and it really went way better than I than I expected. Yeah. And again, we're, we're super thankful for that. So, yeah, that was the first thing that happened in Fe- on February 1st, 2022. So rest in peace of John and Marsha. February 23rd, Metal Blade Records celebrates 40 years with the reissue of Metal Massacre. And this, is, this includes version two of Hit the Lights, which had Ron McGovney and Dave Mustaine on the recording as opposed to, as opposed to just James Lars and Lloyd Grant. I'm Tumbleweed Ron. Oh, no. Is Tumbleweed Ron coming out? I heard a tall tale. 
that Brian Slagle was going to re-release the Metal Massacre, and I told him, you better put version 2 on there. You better put version 2 on there, otherwise you yellow. That's right. And I don't do too well with yellow belly cowards up here in this. You tell them, boss. I hunt wanted men. I wear the skin of my enemies. I carry a six-shooter by both sides of my hips, and one in my boot, and two in my hat, and one in the back part of my belt. And don't forget about your loaded four-string bass on your back, boss. And I carry this four-string bass because you never know when you're going to need Tumbleweed Ron to lay down the low end on some power metal. (laughs) Cue dramatic pause. That's for Tumbleweed Ron, dude. He's a mercurial guy, dude. You better look out for him. That's right, man. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, March 24th, the 40th anniversary shows from uh, the previous year. I started streaming on the Coda Collection. Uh, May 12th, I got a clip for this one. I want to revisit just uh, five moments in this year with a couple clips. Um, This was a big deal in the Metallica world. Kind of opened up a broader conversation, especially in metal and mental health and taking care of yourself. Uh, This was in the middle of their show in Belo Horizonte, Brazil on May 12th. James, this is when he admitted to the crowd of 6,000 fans. Says he wasn't feeling good before the show, feeling insecure, like an old guy can't play anymore, things like that. Um, And then it kind of sparked Metallica at their remaining shows in in, uh, 2022 where Hetfield would kind of dip back into that vulnerability a little bit before Fade to Black, you know, um, talking about getting help and that you're not alone, that Metallica's here and there are people here for you that love and care for you. So... I, want, I just wanted to revisit kind of the initial thing that sparked all that. Um, just, a, you know, a quick clip to check it out again. I got to tell you, I wasn't feeling very good before I came out here. Feeling a little bit insecure, like I'm an old guy, can't play anymore, all this bullshit that I tell myself in my head. So I talked to these guys, and they helped me, as simple as that. They gave me a hug and said, hey, if you're struggling on stage, we got your back. And I tell you, it means the world to me. And and seeing you out there, I, I am not alone. I am not alone, and neither are you. That was a pretty powerful moment, you know, coming from this guy that, you know, you look at as invincible, uh, you know, and, and, and obviously the, he's been very transparent with his struggles over the years with, you know, addiction and things like that. But I thought that was a pretty huge deal in the, uh, in, especially in the metal world. Sometimes the, the metal gods just need a hug. That's right. It does remind me a lot, and you even use the word invincible. <clears throat> this is my excuse to talk about Tool for a second. So All everyone right. strap up. <laughs> Here, Here we ready. go. <laughs> There is a song on their new album called Invincible, and the entire song, the I am obviously encouraging you all, and you too, Ethan, to listen to it and read okay. the words. And it's about a warrior, a, a warrior who's getting older and who's in battle and who's trying to make the kill and who's worried that this is his last stand. Yeah. And it's a metaphor about the band tool. It's a metaphor about Maynard as they are lurching into kind of the last stages of their lives and careers. Yeah. And performing this kind of music at a high level. It's just interesting. I would I wish I could send that song to James. Yeah, for sure. Um I mean it's you know, even comparing it to sports, you know, it's like a, you know, every athlete they they have their prime and they have their, you know, their twilight years where they're it's it's getting to that point, you know. There's there's some exceptions that kind of make it past the average age of whatever sport we're talking about. Obviously I'm thinking of like 
you know, the Williams sisters in tennis are like still crushing shit in their into their forties. Yeah, Tom Brady playing forty five. Right, you know, but in general it's like, you know, guys like Kobe Bryant, twenty years, you know, LeBron James is probably gonna pass out a bit. But music is no different. At a certain point, you know, you can't perform at the level you did when you were in your twenties and thirties and even forties. I can relate on some level with James in, in, in situations like this, you know, you get in your head that you're just not good enough to, to do this anymore and it can be a dangerous place to be is to to that self doubt and, and you're, you start lacking self-worth and I thought it was great that he opened up on stage in front of 60,000 people and then that I mean that became like headline news in the metal world and um, yeah I'm glad he did it also some guy on YouTube recording uh, you know St. Anger if it were on the Black Album makes headline news in the metal world too but <laughs> bar's pretty true. low in metal world it's headlines. true I feel I feel like on one hand it was great he did it he brought awareness to mental health I think like that's kind of becoming a thing now yeah, I think on the other hand, it's like it was a moment and it came and went and he had a tough day. He let everyone in on it, which yeah. is on brand for him. Right. And everyone kind of made him feel better. And, you know, it's fine. He had a tough day. His, yeah. his buddies got him through it. The music got him through it. Right. And I think it's OK. I don't think we we don't. I, I worry about as a society dwelling too much in the I'm fucked up. I'm mentally fucked up. I right. need, I, my mental health is always dicey it's like the goal is to get help and to work mm-hmm. through it you got to be working through it you know exactly. you got to get through it and, and be be good because your family needs you to be healthy yeah and your kids need you to be healthy your coworkers need you to be healthy and you need to be healthy i, I really want to be careful that we don't fetishize and i'm not saying you're doing it or james is doing it but just yeah. while we're talking about it, i'm just being honest yeah yeah for sure and for way too long no one talked about it so i get it the pendulum of life always swings Mm-hmm. The pendulum doesn't go from all the way to the right to the center. It it goes all the way to the left, you know. A lot of times in culture, you make up for lost time and you camp out a little longer than maybe you should over here before it swings back over here. But the the important thing about the story to me isn't that he admitted he was not well. Okay? The important part of the story is when he admitted it, he got better. Yes. That's it's important that he came through it. Mm-hmm. And I I want to tell everybody out there Admitting it is really brave and strong, and you can't get better until you admit it, but you got to want to get better, That's and you right, got to yeah. let people help you, and when you get the tools to be better, it also takes courage to be better. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, you're right. Getting those tools, it's much like, yeah, I think you made a point last on last week's episode about, you know, you can't go to therapy forever. You need to get the tools, yes. learn how to use them, and then move on in the world. And then, you know, like, I, I, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe him kind of mentioning something before Fade to Black at the rest of their shows for the year was kind of his way of taking those tools and trying to give them to other people. Oh, for sure. I don't know what his intention was, but but that's that's the whole point of coming through things. You know, I've dealt with mental shit, and I've changed things about my diet and my health in order to become a better person and, and get through that shit. Does it creep back up, up, up sometimes? Of course. But I, now I have the tools to be able to get through it a lot faster now. For sure. All right. Right on. All right. Moving on now. April 4th, all within my hands, they did a month slash months of giving – uh, and this was around the time where uh, the Ukraine-Russia war was was getting going. And uh, they, they raised uh, about a million dollars for World Central Kitchen. Only Ukraine. a million? I, yeah, what cheap asses. Aren't they gajillionaires? Jeez. Can't they just drain their bank accounts? <laughs> I mean, we talked about it so many damn times. But just to reiterate, I mean, these dudes are, are one of the most giving bands and generous bands. And philanthropists really grateful to be a fan and, and be able to watch that kind of stuff and them helping people all over the world i think you reach a point when you're a rich person i mean i wouldn't know i would love to find out one day and i actually have seen this in my wealthy friends is that it there's an emptiness to it 
and this is what I call the God-shaped hole. Normal people like me spend a lot of time thinking like, man, if I were rich, a lot of my problems would be solved. Mm-hmm. And then it's a tale as old as time, right? Money can't buy happiness. You can't take right. it with you. There's a million cliches, right? But I think what happens if you are rich, you, I think, I think A, your life is better. I do think you're having a better time. Sure. You're, the things that I'm scared of that I wake up afraid of, these people simply aren't afraid of them. But I think you do get to a point where if you're not, if you're a rich person that's not using that platform or that wealth to give to people who are suffering, mm-hmm. then you might be a complete psychopath. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because if you're kind of just barely smart, I don't even think you have to be a genius. But if you're barely smart, you kind of have a soul, you kind of have a pulse on human suffering, and you have a lot of means and you don't use that to help people. Something is really wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, there's, you know, obviously there's, there are millionaires out there that have lost their fortune and stuff like that. But there's so many rich people in this world that have so much wealth that it's like a lot of times it's pretty impossible to spend it all. Cause a lot of these people will invest in things to make them more money and stuff like yeah. that. But, but you're right. Like why not take some of that? That's, that's, that's like me loaning somebody $5, the, the equivalent you know, to go help people that are less fortunate. And I get it too. Like maybe for 20 years, you just bought cars and houses and lived on yachts. And, but I think at some point, unless you're a psycho, you have to, once you realize that those things don't make you happy either, like happier in the big way, capital H happy. Yeah. for sure. And that really like wealth acquired wealth should be used to alleviate suffering in the world. That's what I believe. Yeah. I, you know, did I ever tell you the story about, I one time almost asked a guy for a million dollars. Uh, I think you did, but I would love to hear it again. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, do, I, I do vaguely remember this. My wife hates this story because it embarrasses her. But there's a guy, I won't say whose name is. I won't, even, I won't say a lot of details. Jeff Bezos. There's a guy who throws a festival. He's a big oil guy. And he loves music. And he throws a festival in Texas for his favorite artists. And he just pays them whatever it costs to get them there. And one of those artists is Bob Schneider. And so I've played this festival with Bob and... Uh, this guy's real cool for a billionaire. Like he, he likes to party. He likes to hang. Yeah. He knows his stuff. And another band that he loves and a friend of his is Don Henley. So he at this festival, he had Don Henley playing solo, which part of Don Henley's solo band are, are like the Eagles drummer is that guy. And then he he rents his own tour bus at this festival. It's on his land out in Texas, right? So yeah, we're, yeah. we're on this big private land. There's like tents set up. He puts on his own little thing. And he really took a shine to me. He likes he likes to decorate himself with rocks, what he thinks are rock stars. Yeah. You know, he thought that about me. Long hair, eyebrow piercings. I play guitar for an artist he loves. I'm down to hang. You know, Bob's a sober guy. I'm I'm down to get on his bus and hang with So I'm on his tour bus. Don Henley's on the tour bus. Did I ever say a word to Don Henley? No. No. I never <laughs> said a single word to Don Henley. You remember Hotel California? <laughs> exactly. Remember the Eagles? And nor did Don Henley say anything to me. Uh, Don Henley wasn't interested. Remember going in me. Supernova? I have this podcast. <laughs> you remember Melody podcast? I have this Metallica. So podcast. So Don Henley, on. love the Eagles. By the way, I have this Metallica podcast. Yeah, what do you think about nothing else matters? Well, I'm talking to this guy, right? This billionaire, and he's he's asking me about my family. He's like taking a lot of interest in me. He's he's drunk. He's quite drunk. We're both drinking. We're yeah. both we're both in that kind of great little cloud where where everything just feels easy and smooth. Yeah, best night of your life. But he is saying things like, so Clint, uh, how, how often do you and your family get out to the Canary Islands? And I was like, what? Just assuming. I was like, huh? He was like, the Canary Islands. How many houses do you own in Martha's Vineyard? And I was like, oh, and I was, it was dawning on me like, oh, he's not used to talking to poor people. <laughs> he's right. not used yeah. to talking to non-rich people. I said, oh, uh, 
you know, I've never been to the Canary. I, I was like, honestly, I don't even know where that is. And he goes, oh, it's uh, and then wherever it is, which I still don't know. Well, it's just he's like, oh, it's off Spain, and that's where my family vacation. That's where we keep our yacht. That's where we keep our boat or something. And I was like, wow. And in this moment, I thought he was loose enough. I was loose enough. Don Henley's somewhere loose enough. And I thought, I bet I could ask him for a million dollars. And he's crazy enough and way rich enough where he might do it. Just pull out his checkbook. Well, I had this whole <laughs> I had this whole speech where I was gonna like actually really ask him and be yeah. like, look, this could like I'm a musician, like I would pay it forward. This could really change my entire life. It would change my family's life. You know, I want to produce records and I want to start a record label. And I ultimately didn't do it. And he probably would have said no because yeah. what I have learned about wealthy people is they didn't usually acquire their wealth by being dummies. Right. So, but I told my wife that story, and she's like, oh, my God, don't ever ask rich people for that. Don't do that again. What if you were in the middle of that conversation, you're in, you're in that, in that you know, drinking buzzed cloud, feeling comfortable, and, and you ask the guy for a million dollars, and he's sitting there thinking about it, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Don Henley walks out of the bunker, and he just goes over to me and goes, do it. Yeah. He would have done it. If Don Henley said to do it. Yeah, well, in my dream, yeah, I, I say, what would you think about giving me a million dollars? And he goes, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> and then he's like, Don, come in here. And then he brings Don in and he's like, you got to meet this young man. He's so sharp. He's so smart. He's a family man. He's got a good head on his shoulders. I think we should both give him a million dollars. And then I'm best friends with him. And then next thing you know, dude, I've got a boat in the Canary Islands too. And I'm just partying with Don Henley. You're just hanging out, just jamming Eagle songs on the yacht. And I am saying like, look, let's fast forward like 10 years into a deep friendship with Don. I've played it cool for a decade. All right. Yeah. Finally. I mean, our families are close, right? We vacation in Aspen together. And then finally I am like, hey, so remember the Eagles? The remember Eagles, the Eagles were awesome. <laughs> uh, by I, the way, Don, I'm a huge Eagles fan. <laughs> I'm, guessing, I'm guessing because of Don's reputation, those 10 years would not matter. He'd be like, and you're done. I know. He's got a bad rep for sure. I'm taking the yacht back. No more Canary Islands vacations for you, son. <laughs> he's got a bad rep for sure. But you know what? I don't need my heroes to be good people. I just don't need it. Yeah. I mean, I don't need it. You think Michael Jordan's a nice guy? You think Michael Jordan has any friends? Probably not. He's probably completely friendless. Probably a pretty lo- yeah, pretty lonely guy He's sitting around you know drinking whiskey, smoking cigars. Well, he well he he has tequila. Tequila, that's what it is. That's right. He has his own tequila. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's probably having a good time. Yeah, but he to be the psycho champion that he was, I don't think he. I think he's an isolated guy. I think he yeah. kind of has to be. Yeah. Well, you you you, know, you kind of isolate yourself even on a team. By being that good, you know, you, you have teammates that are helping you become that greatest of all time player. But, you know, you have I think you have to I- isolate yourself to become that much of an insane person to perform like that. He punched Steve Kerr in the face. <laughs> he did. <laughs> all right, man, I already want to rewatch the last dance. I, I am almost embarrassed to admit this, but obviously not too embarrassed because I'm going to admit it to you and tens of yes. thousands of people. I watched it nine times. You've watched it nine times? The whole thing nine times. Damn. I, I mean, I'm thinking about a second time, but that's a, that's a, that's, that's a commitment, dude. But it's, I mean, if, if when we've talked about this in the past. If, if you haven't seen that yet, even if you're not a basketball fan or a sports fan even, I'd say watch it. No, I, everyone in the world watched it. I mean, everyone, yeah, I don't think you have to be a basketball fan to watch no, it at all. Not at but all. It, would, it would end, and I would just... I'd be like, well, yeah, I would just start it right back over. I'll just do that again. Sure, why not? Well, it was also it was COVID times, man. It was scary. Like I was scared. Yeah. You know, we didn't have work and like I was afraid my parents were gonna die. You know, I was I was just really scared. Yeah. And for so sure. when you find something that's helping you cope with that that's not like heroin, yeah, you're gonna start that back over. 
See, I watched it one time and then did heroin. Right. Well, that's what a lot of people did. A lot of people did heroin first, then watched it, then did it. They, they bookended The Last Dance with heroin. Yeah. You just decided to start with the documentary, then do heroin. And I mm-hmm. believe you told me, if, correct me if I'm getting this wrong, but you would shoot it in between your toes, right? So no one could see. Exactly. I really wanted to hide it. Yeah. Right. And I did it just because I, I realized that I would never be that great. So I was like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to do this. Which is the response. Dude, Some when I listen to Wilco... I sometimes can't get through three songs before I want to pick up my guitar and write a song. They make me want to write songs because there's something about it that makes me feel like I can do it. Mm-hmm. When I listen to the Beatles or Radiohead, I'm like, well, what's the point? What's the point of trying to do anything this good? Because I can't do it. They're on a level that I can't even understand. Yeah, And that's sure. when you start putting the black tar heroin in between the old toes. <laughs> exactly, man. That's the, way to, that's, the, that's the only logical solution. Are we still in uh, January of 2022? Uh, we're, <laughs> we're in April. We're in April. Oh, okay, it's, cool. It, it's springtime here. Okay. Uh, April 23rd, which was um, Record Store Day. You and I had a fantastic time down at Vinyl Tap that day. Yes, we did. That was a good day. And that day, we bought what it was released, which was Kirk Hammett's debut solo EP, Portals. Portal. It was, <clears throat> it was Record Store Day released stream, on streaming CD and vinyl. Uh, Robin Kirk also made an appearance at the Grand Museum for Record Store Day 2022. I haven't listened to Portal since then, by the way. I haven't either, but um, it, it was really cool. I mean, we did a we did a, <clears throat> a bit of a deep dive on it and listened to the whole thing and did some commentary. I think we were both really surprised by it. Exceeded my expectations, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I remember really liking it. I'm just wondering how much I did actually like it if I have not listened to it since then. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm just not. keeping it real. I'm keeping it. What do you call it? Keeping it a hundred? Uh, I haven't heard that, but keeping it real works too. I don't. I don't listen to too much. In, uh, instrumental music but i'll tell you what that trip the witch record listen mm-hmm. to every day another instrumental band that i i dig that i recently got one of the records on vinyl i found at a, a shop was um explosions in the sky you ever oh, dig yeah. into them yeah they're pretty fun kind of whatever atmospheric they did all the music for uh what was it friday night lights i believe yeah but uh yeah really cool stuff I remember my wife uh when we were first dating when you're in that give each other burn cds phase mm-hmm. she gave me um some explosions in the sky records. Yeah. And it, I, so I had all my early romantic love feelings for my wife wrapped up in those sounds. Oh, that's cool. That's a great band name too. Pretty good. Yeah. All right. Moving on. April 27th, black and whiskey announces Rye the lightning, which is a straight rye finished in Madeira and rum casks. goes for 70 Quite. bucks. Quite. Yeah. Muchly. Muchly do I taste nodes of earth, soil, elderberry. Was this in a rum cask? If one merely decants the wine, and then you simply put it up to your nose. One will smell furtive nodes of the hair of Newt. By the way, that was hurting my voice to do that character. I do want to thank Dave Ferraro, who made me a... Um, so they came out with a cassette tape that went with that Rye the Lightning. That's right, yeah. That I did not get. I, I slept on it. I missed it. I love cassettes. I love the band Metallica. Did you know that I like the band Metallica? Holy shit, really? And Dave Ferraro dubbed a copy of Rye the Lightning for me. So I want to say thank you to Dave uh, for doing that. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Last time he was in town, he delivered those cassettes to us. It was very nice. Um, Black and uh, their, their, uh, their press release, whatever this says, Black and Kentucky straight rye double cast finished whiskey, aptly dubbed Rye the Lightning, is the latest uh, limited release from Black and American Whiskey inspired by Metallica's six-time platinum sophomore album, Ride the Lightning. This expression was a double cask finished to its own unique playlist which is blasted to the barrels using Blacken's proprietary Black Noise sonic enhancement, enhancement process. Which, if you go back and listen to our Rob Dietrich episode, he kind of chats about that a little bit. It's pretty, uh, pretty cool stuff. Moving on, May 24th, 
This was the eighth annual Metallica night at Oracle Park in San Francisco, and it should have been the tenth. They missed two years because of COVID. Uh, Rob Diedrich was there, speaking to him, doing a whiskey tasting. There was a Q&A with Rob and a guy named Andrew Cremines, who designed the 40th anniversary poster, and they did a Q&A moderated by uh, uh, Stefan Shirazi. VIP game experience uh, with a portion. If you bought those tickets, a portion went to All Within My Hands. James, James got the first pitch. Lars announced the starting lineups. Raptor Hio delivered the lineup cards, and James and Kirk, of course, played the national anthem, auctioned off their bitchin' Giants guitars that they sign and do more good in the world with. Yep. So that's fun. Uh, June 15th, Metallica headlined Copenhagen for the first time. This was the show that uh, made a little bit of news because this is when they, out of nowhere, moved Enter Sandman to slot three. Yeah, we were in, uh, we were, we were in Europe during that. And yeah. I remember whatever the time, however the time was working, I was on Discord chatting with everybody in real time while that show was burning down. And just how excited we all were that Sandman being in slot three just meant anything was possible. Yeah, it was pretty wild, and and I know that um, <clears throat> I know that you talked to uh, you and I talked to Hella about that show because she was there, and it was that was just big news. It's it's so insane. This is how much we love this band that they can take one song and and obviously it's the normal closer, but they could take that one song and just move it in the set list. Something as simple as that, and we're all just our heads are exploding. I mean, that's either really amazing or really kind of sad and pathetic. I mean, <laughs> probably more sad and pathetic. But listen, I, I embrace it. Like they moved Sandman. I can't believe it. There's parades in the streets. I was actually really stoked that they did that because it's like, at this point in their career, they just you know they they don't need to close with Enter Sandman. They don't have to. It just meant anything was possible for those set lists. It's that's all it is. It just meant that yeah. the, it just meant that set lists were going to be more interesting than we thought. Yeah, exactly. Well, this this set list was really cool. They also had Dirty Window in that set. Bleeding yeah. Me was added, and this was the first time in 13 years that it was on a tour set list. Um, it was it played at the 30th and 40th anniversary shows. Uh, they also played Trapped Under Ice. They opened the Encore with Damage Inc. It was really cool. But I wanted to uh, listen to about a minute or so clip of um, Bleeding Me because I know you obviously love this song. I love this song. And uh, they just sounded great, man. It's just, For a song, they don't play that often, man. They're still just sounding awesome. So check this out. This morning my side is from the tree. This morning my side's from the tree I Do you ever get the, the impression when they do songs a little more rarely like this, you can kind of hear the excitement in it, at least with James. It's not as much of going through the motions of playing a, a song like Sandman. I don't know. I, I feel like just the I feel like I'm always kind of in tune to like what's a little loose about it because I can hear that they don't play it often. Right. And I don't I don't know what goes through their heads, you know? I don't know if they're thinking it's tough. It's tough to think about that. I'm like, or, like I was thinking about them doing Fixer, and like a lot of people complained about Fixer being pretty rough. And I'm like, are they thinking? Because on one hand, yeah, as an artist, to your point, James could be thinking, "Man, I never get to play this. I'm really into this," you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or is he just thinking, 
why do we put this pressure on ourselves? <laughs> just get through People it. People ultimately at this point just want to hear the big songs. Yeah. And I think you, I think most of the people who go to Metallica shows don't know Bleeding Me. Yeah. So I don't know if he thinks like, I don't know if he's super in tune with the diehards in that way and like in a positive way, or mm -hmm. if he feels like we got to throw some bones. And honestly, it's Lars who chooses the set. So yeah. I don't know if he's like in those moments, like kind of grumpy at Lars for picking a song that they had to like brush up on to play one time. I, I, those are the things I think about. Like, where's his head at? Yeah. Because he doesn't sing those songs often. Is he tapping back into the lyrical vibe of it? I remember James uh, Taylor talking about the song Fire and Rain. Do you know that song Fire and Rain? Oh, yeah, for sure. The song Fire and Rain, James Taylor had to go to a, a mental institute because he was going crazy. While he was, and this is, I think, when he was still like a famous guy. And he was there for a couple of years, and he met a woman there that he kind of became friends with and fell in love with, but on a friend level. And she killed herself. Man. She committed suicide. That's what Fire and Rain is about. It's about this woman named Suzanne who killed herself. It's crazy. And it's like probably his most famous song. For sure. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I'm a huge James Taylor fan. Someone asked him, this was in like the 80s. That song is from the early 70s. Yeah. They, were like, they were like, do you get sad when you sing Fire and Rain? And he was, I just loved his answer because he was like, oh, and he was like, I haven't been sad about, I mean, you know, like I've sung that song like 7,000 times. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think about Suzanne anymore when I sing it. It's, it's something different, you know, like it's, it's a song that's made a lot of people happy and brought a lot of people joy, obviously brought him a lot of acclaim and success. And you can kind of sing it on autopilot. He's like, I really kind of think about anything but what I wrote it about. Yeah, for sure. But, because my, I can't be sad about Suzanne every time I sing this huge hit song. Yeah. You just psychologically have to put it somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. So I do. wonder if a song that's really personal, like Bleeding Me or Fixer, really the load era, which is why it's my favorite era. I wonder if he, because they play him so infrequently, he gets into that place. Like I could see him being a guy that does. If you're playing it that infrequently, then then that that might be a little harder to put that that meaning, that the 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 whatever deep thoughts you put in, you know, from your personal life to that song might be a little harder to push those aside as opposed to James Taylor playing Fire and Rain seven thousand times. But also you're worried about playing it well. And yeah. like I know that they're, you know, I don't know if you feel this way on stage, but if I, let's, for example, let's say I'm on stage, I, I make a, I hit a clam. Let's say I mm -hmm. hit a bad clam, which honestly doesn't happen very often. You can attest to that. Right. I keep things pretty tight. But sometimes something will happen, or maybe something will happen with gear. Like we had one show where my pedal board just kept going on and off, which yep. was extremely stressful. It's like I was sweating. I could just feel beads of sweat running down oh, my yeah. back. Oh, yeah. That will get in my head. And, I won't recover from that for maybe 30 minutes. Like it'll be five, six, seven songs before I start to feel good again. Mm -hmm. You know, now I don't, oh, I don't yeah. think anyone could know that except maybe my, my brothers on stage who know right. me, but the crowd, the crowd just thinks I'm playing a song. So I wonder if when they're playing like, like, cause you know, sometimes they'll pull out like Dyer's Eve. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's thinking about his parents during when they're playing Dyer's Eve. I think he's thinking about the chords and hitting his marks and playing the yeah. song. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, it's a real romantic idea to think that like the artists we love are always like in the moment, you know, of like the emotion of the song, the way we are. Yeah. But I, I got to imagine he's also just worried about landing it. Yeah, yeah, landing it for sure. I mean, I, I watched the whole video of that because they 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 officially like mixed it and put it on their YouTube page. I watched the whole performance of that, and uh, it seemed like a bit of a balance of like he was having fun, he's trying to land it and make sure they get through it. Um, but there was moments where I could tell that he was exci be excited to be playing that song. I just feel like, yeah, I, part of me just feels like, well, if you like it that much, why don't you play it more? Yeah, exactly. Play more. But he doesn't choose the set list. Right. And I think Lars, I mean, I think Lars does choose the set list. I think he really makes those decisions based on what he thinks fans are going to want to hear. 
Yeah. And I, if, if you're asking my honest opinion, which no one just did, I think when they do these rotating slots, I think they do those for the diehards. And I think they're fine playing Seek and Destroy every show. I think they understand that we're delivering a product yeah. that, that is a really big, broad product. And I think they also pay attention to the fact that the energy kind of got sucked out of the arena when they played Fixer. They just really did. Yeah. I mean, people, our friends who were there told us that. Now, if you're next to someone like me during Fixer, your perception of the room is that people were freaking out. Yeah. But there were people who understand the significance of them playing Fixer who were like, yeah, the energy got real weird weird because no one knew what the song was yeah there was probably i mean i would imagine at least 75 percent of that arena was like what song is this and you know we're past the point where people i think we're past the point where people want to hear the new stuff or because someone might have thought oh this is a new song i don't know mm-hmm. i can't sing along to it i don't recognize it from the radio right. it, it just becomes like i remember seeing tom petty and tom they just had an album out called hypnotic eye which is really good yeah i mean it sounds as good as any tom petty record and Tom goes, hey, so uh, we're going to play a few songs from our new record that we really like. We're really proud of it. But if you want to go take a pee break and get a beer, <laughs> I totally get it. Now's the time. And people did. That's uh, so weird. Well, because it's just it was past the time for Tom where people wanted to hear the new shit. Like, I bet in 1979, after Damn the Torpedoes, when they were doing whatever, you know, whatever the records were after that, people were excited to hear the new stuff. Yeah, for sure. But at a certain point, you're not trying to hear Tom Petty's new stuff, even if it's good. I wonder if Metallica's like that. Yeah, if, if you're Tom Petty and, and, and you're, you're starting the tour cycle after Full Moon Fever, where you had a bunch of huge fucking hits, people are like, oh, I want to hear the next shit. You know? But you're right. He was, at, he was kind of at the tail end of his career where he was putting out records that weren't these smash hits. They were still real good. Real good. I mean, I want to hear them play the song more. You know, play bleeding me more, but you know, most fans are, are going to not be as excited unless you're you know playing some of those big hits. And I got to imagine too, as a performer, I, I don't know if you feel this way. Feel free to weigh in if you want. James may like bleeding me, but here's what doesn't feel good: playing a song you like that no one likes, not getting the reaction you're used to getting. Exactly. So he's like, "Well, that wasn't a good feeling. I can go home and play bleeding me and feel all the feelings about sobriety or whatever he wrote the song about. But mm-hmm. when I go da when I play creeping death, this whole place." turns into a christmas tree lit up yeah well that's for sure that's a better feeling it absolutely is i, I mean i've been in bands i'm sure you've done the same thing over the years where you're like hey it'd be fun to play that real deep cut off this record you know we never put it out as a single it's not you know one of the more popular songs but it's a fun song to play let's try it and we would play it that night and not get a good reaction and guess what we did didn't play it the next night you know, yeah you just test that you test the waters real quick well that's just what it is and there are some bands now everyone is playing bingo at home the david j matthews band there are some bands out there and pearl jams like this too the grateful dead fish blah 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 where they've just cultivated the kind of fan base where they lots of people in that arena want to hear deep cuts mm-hmm. i don't think metallica is that yeah but they, they, they still throw you know us hardcore fans a bone for sure i mean and, and listen we get excited about you know if, it, if it's a pretty generic set list but there's like one or two little deep cuts in there. Like we all freak out. We're like, oh my God, that's amazing. You know, but they're not going to do like a full deep cut tour. That's never going to happen. They got to, they want to sell it. And, and also it's selling tickets too. You want to sell at these stadiums? Yeah. You got to play Enter Sandman and Seek and Destroy and Master of Puppets and Creeping Death. They're just too big. It really is as simple as that. They're yeah. too big to play around with deep cuts. That's really the, that's it. Yeah. Or it's just, it, it's a special one-off show like the Zazula tribute show, which we'll get to in a little bit. Right. That was obviously a bunch of deep cut stuff. But right. anyways, 
Moving on, June 17th, uh, the exclusive vinyl was released, the second five Walmart exclusive, which was Load, Reload, Garage, Jinx, St. Anger, and Death Magnetic. I never got any of those. I didn't either. I, already, I mean, I already have those on vinyl, and I'm like, I don't really want to pay this just for another color, you know? No, I'm kind of regretting not doing it, but yeah, that's how I felt too. Yeah, um, so I didn't get those, but uh, someone actually, I think, I can't remember who it was, it might have been Michael Grovener who hooked me up when they first did the first five. Uh, my cop, my OG copy of Lightning is pretty beat up, and he sent me a, a Walmart one, the blue one. June 29th, Metallica canceled the Frauenfeld rocks due to some of the Metallica camp testing positive for COVID. July 1st, this was a big deal in the Stranger Things world, if you like that, which I do. Stranger Things released the second half of season four on July 1st. Obviously, Master of Puppets was featured in the finale episode with Eddie Munson and that, that character. Puppets reached 41.9 million streams in July alone, which is pretty fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, on the Hard Rock charts for six weeks straight as well. So we, we went over that in the news uh, at some point in history. <laughs> I don't remember what episode that was. We talked about it a lot. Um, a lot of these things we talk about in these in these breakdowns of the years, we've either touched on in episodes or we've done full episodes on. So uh, not too long for that, July 28th, Metallica is playing at Lollapalooza in Chicago. And they meet up with actor Joseph Quinn, who is the character plays Eddie Munson. They jam puppets backstage, and they also include video of that scene in Stranger Things during Master of Puppets, which was pretty cool. August, the ever-so-affordable Project and um, Metallica Ninja Star Turntable, only $1,599. $1, I, realized, I realized what's going on with that. Here's the deal. You buy it. Let's say your, your wife gets it for you, right? Yeah. You're setting it up. You fall down, it impales you, you die. Your mm-hmm. wife gets your insurance money. So it might be 1500 bucks, right, on the front end. Right. But when you think about the 500000 to a $1 million you're getting on life insurance policy claims, that's what it is. I figured it out. You figured it out. That's, this is like a murder mystery podcast now. I wonder if anyone bought that. I have not seen any of our listeners or any fans post pictures of that in their house. Yeah. If there's anyone that is listening right now that bought this, will you get on Discord or email us a picture of this turntable? I'm guessing we're not going to get one. but And don't kill yourself doing it. Be careful around that thing. Maybe that's why they haven't posted anything about it, because they died. No one's found them yet. They're just still there. That Ride the Lightning is still just spinning I mean, what forever. if, you know, what if some... some guy or gal was like oh my god i got the ninja star turntable i cannot wait to email clinton ethan about this it's all set up ready to go they've got the ride the lightning on there they're got their camera out they're walking towards the turntable oops i tripped over one of my dog's toys they land straight on the turntable and they're gone i'm forever it's very sad and that's why we haven't gotten gotten any info if it were like 500 bucks i would have it i mean this is something that i've it's kind of like made for me for sure it is 1500 bucks I mean, you got to be a serious audiophile and obviously Metallica fan and just have a lot of money to be able just to throw that down real quick. Yeah. You know? I mean, my most expensive piece of turntable vinyl gear, probably my receiver. It's like a $200 receiver. It's nothing yeah. crazy, but it's vintage and it sounds good. I wish I could afford that because I would love for both of us to have that thing. Do you remember <laughs> you remember when So our friend Jeff Fireball made us the Ninja Stars at his metal shop or whatever? Yep. Which, by the way, those things are weapons. Mm-hmm. I remember I put that thing on top of my turntable and I took a picture of it and posted it and said something. It was a total joke. I thought it was going to be way more obvious. Really digging the new Ninja Star turntable. And people believed it. <laughs> people were like, whoa, you got one. And you can clearly see that it's just the thing sitting on top of another record player. It really surprises me sometimes how humorless the world can be. It's very true. It's very true. Also, people just really want to believe things. Yeah. That's a really powerful psychological tool. People really want to believe anything. People wanted to believe that you had it. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, or you didn't sell the joke broadly enough. I don't know. I don't know. But I remember that. I mean, it's the thing that Jeff made us is quite a bit smaller. Yes. And the picture you posted was definitely just that on an actual turntable. <laughs> exactly. But people want to believe. People want to believe, and that's fine. You can believe it. Yeah, yeah I, totally, I totally have one. Uh, September 3rd, Lars and Brian Johnson joined the Foo Fighters for a cover of Back in Black at the London show for the Taylor Hawkins tribute. Fast forward a couple weeks, September 27th, Lars is playing. Didn't we watch that? Didn't we watch that? Sorry, my, yeah. my job today is to disrupt you. This that's time. totally fine. We watched that in Portland, Maine. Was it Portland? We had, yeah, we, that was when we had Kurdos on on the show. Yeah. And we had two wonderful days in Portland, Maine, and that was airing London time compared to where we were. It was like 11 a.m. or something like that. And uh, I just had it streaming in the dressing room and just watched a bunch of it. It was really fun. That was actually Banger Main because people were going to Stephen King's house. Oh, sorry, yes, Banger Main. You're correct, yes. Uh, so then moving on, September 27th, I want to play a clip of this because it's just fun. Uh, Lars is playing at the L.A. Taylor Hawkins Tribute Show at the Forum. And Lars comes up and plays two Sabbath songs with Sebastian Bach, Geezer Butler, and a couple of members of the Foo Fighters. Lars had a really cool thing. I, I, I never actually saw that this website existed, but there was like a Taylor Hawkins Tribute website with a bunch of quotes and uh, thoughts from all these different musicians that played these things. So Lars had this to say when Taylor passed away. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you for always having the biggest, warmest smile on your face for lighting up every room with your infectious energy and good vibes. Last time at the Bottle Rock Festival, I had the best seat in the house right above you and once again stood in amazement watching you effort, effortlessly steered the Foo Fighters through a two-hour set with the perfect balance of swing, swagger, bounce, and insane chops. Your phone call a week before you left us touched and inspired me, and I'll always be appreciative for your for you championing, championing our community. Um, and in your parting words, drummers stick together, damn right, brother, except now the community is lesser without you. So that was very nice. Mm, yes, nice. Um, but anyways, I want to play a clip of them playing Paranoid, Sebastian Bach on vocals, um, Audio is not great because it's just fan footage, but check it out. fun i love sebastian bach i know he's got that dude is a he's a monster singer man probably one of the i mean like that genre music or not probably one of the most gifted and talented singers of that genre for sure For sure, yeah i agree i mean that dude went on broadway and did jekyll and hyde that's no <laughs> joke <laughs> like you have to be real good to do that shit well paul stanley went on broadway and did the phantom of the opera did he really i didn't know that oh yeah is there footage of this oh yeah is it how, how is it rough or good uh, it's it's interesting okay is it as good as his um, Folgers commercial? or? Oh, no. Well, it's hard to beat the Folgers commercial. <laughs> Forgot about oh, that. Man, I just, I just popped in my head. Um, all right. September 28th, uh, Drew's Estates announces the Black and M- M81 cigars, which our friend Kurt Ozon has ordered a couple of these and said they were pretty damn good. The cigar, the cigar is billed as a three-part collaboration between Jonathan Drew, James Hetfield, and Rob Dietrich. Took two years of sampling and development by Hetfield and Dietrich. And then uh, James had this to say about the cigar release, as we all know, he's a big aficionado of cigars. A really fun social thing for me, a fellowship, to have a few buddies sit around with a few sticks 
Hetfield says, my buddy Rob Diedrich, Black and Master Distiller, and I, and I frequently enjoy cigars together, and he introduced me to Jonathan from Drew Estate. The three of us connected and shared each other's vision and story about where we've been, what we'd like to see, and what is important to us now. And we all came up with what a Black and M81 cigar would look and taste like. I love the, here. Here we go. This is another fun little description. I love the Maduro leaf, and I'm super excited for everyone to try this. Um, and then Rob said, uh, this was a project that was purely born from passion for music, fellowship for life, and all the in-between moments within. James, Jonathan, and I worked together to create what we feel is the perfect cigar, the, re- the result of a truly monster of flavor, um, all Maduro, designed with a definitive depth for darker and bolder palettes. Well, that's not going in the Kill Bon Jovi category, I can tell you that. Yeah. That's out of that column. Well, listen, if you're a cigar aficionado like they are, um, I've been told by a credible source that they're good. I'm not a cigar smoker, so. You ever smoke cigars? No. No? I did a few times with my dad. He would he would always, you know, with through clients, get these really nice whatever cigars. I mean, I yeah, I thought you meant, I mean, I have in my life. but I Yeah, yeah, not a, no, but not regularly. No. Some people are no. some people are cigar people. Like it's like pipe people. October thirteenth, Ultima Hands partnered with uh, Direct Relief and World Central Kitchen to assist in a hundred thousand dollar grant to help it, uh, with hurricane relief to Puerto Rico and Florida. November sixth, uh, Metallica paid tribute to the Zazulos at Hard Rock Live in Hollywood, Florida. This is when Raven opened. We did a, a Metal Tales on this. Uh, I did it with Jamila. Guests included the Zula family, of course. Setlist was awesome. It was first two albums. A lot of cool deep cuts. A couple full song performances, which is very rare for them. Motor Breath, Phantom Lord, and Am I Evil. Hmm. Do they? I mean, they played all, every song but one from Ride the Lightning. All they had to do was play Escape, and they would have played the whole record. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen, though. Nah, probably not. Probably not ever. <laughs> all right, we're getting kind of close to the end here. November 15th, Metallica, Metallica announced the collaboration with Fender Play. Um, November 28th, Metallica announced the new single. This was the big deal of the year, of course. They announced Lux Eterna. M72 World Tour, then a new album, 72 Seasons. That was an exciting day. So go back and listen to not only our deep dive... Deep Cut Dive on Lux Eterna. We also did in the emergency episode, which Clint talked about at the, begin- the top of this episode. If you haven't heard those for some odd reason, go back and listen to those because that was an exciting day to be a Metallica fan, for sure. If you haven't heard any of our previous episodes, um, or, or if you have heard them, go back and check them out. Go back and listen to every episode. Just go back, man. Yeah, listen just- to them all again. Listen, if Clint can watch The Last Dance nine times, surely you can listen to our podcast in its entirety at least nine times. Yeah. November 30th, uh, Lars is on Howard Stern talking about Stranger Things using Master of Puppets. And I thought this was kind of interesting. It's a couple minutes long, but previous to this, and or with the exception of a couple of the things, they weren't really known for letting their music being used in movies and TV shows and stuff like that. So he has some cool stuff to say about it. Uh, a couple minutes long, so check it out. The kid from Stranger Things, I saw him in a Come video. On. I was watching this the other night. He was over at headquarters, which is what you call your place with uh, Metallica. The kid really does... Was that for real or was that a goof? Yes, no, that's totally for real. He, uh... Wow, that was wow. such a, a mindfuck of a of an experience this summer. I mean, who knew? You know, it, it used to be with Metallica, we we were always the no guys. Hey, can we have this song for this? Can we have that song for that? Can we have this? You know, blah, blah, blah. Right. And uh, we were just, no, 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 no. And a few years ago, we, we kind of... We reversed it. We did a 180 and, and we just said, you know what? This is stupid. Why are we hanging on to these songs like they're so important and like they're the crown jewels or whatever? It's like, let's share our music with the world. So a couple of years ago, we said yes to everything, started saying yes to everything. And obviously, I mean, we're all somewhat familiar with the the Strangest Things phenomenon, but we got that in, what, six, nine months ago and said yes. And they wanted to build this whole scene around Master Puppets. And we said, of course. And then it came out over the summer and it was just such a mindfuck to see 
how that became a phenomenon. And we were so proud. I mean, who would have thought 40 years later that these songs could still have that impact? So we were it's excited a, to be part of it, absolutely. And it's, a, and it's a smart move because you think about it. In the old days, you could your music would be heard on traditional radio. It would be heard, you know, whatever the hell, the, the, the way people sold records. Nowadays, how do you get a younger generation to really know Metallica and, and quite frankly, putting it on Stranger Things is a brilliant fucking idea. It's the, it's, you've yeah, got to think mean, differently, yeah. I guess. We like to support other creative entities. And obviously, if somebody's got a, a great uh, starting independent project and needs a favor or whatever, I mean, we, we want to support the community in that way. But the way the Stranger Things took off was just so unexpected. So uh, he came, you know, he came, we played together. He, he knew the song. He knew the, he knew it was the changes. Good. Yeah, and he was such a sweetheart and was just so up for it. And there you go. Basically, the main part of the info is just them, you know, just becoming a different band and letting people use their stuff. And which, by the way, he says he wants to help independent entities. Hey, Lars, come on our podcast. You can help us out by letting us interview you. How about that? We're not totally independent. I mean, we'd have to restructure our deal with Newprint. But that's I don't true. Know if, yeah. I don't know if our like you know previous engagements with Newprint would get in the way of that. Right. But yeah, sure. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, listen, he put it out there. Those are his words, not mine. Um, <laughs> uh, December 16th, uh, Metallica debuts Lux Eternal, All With My Hands, Helping Hand Show in Los Angeles. This is, of course, available to stream for free. Greta Van Fleet Open, Jimmy Kimmel's there, Robert Downey Jr. And I just want to play a quick clip of, just to revisit it one more time, because it was so exciting, just to hear the boys play in Lux Eternal for the very first time. Check this out. about you but just hearing anytime i hear that song now it just gets me so excited to see them next year yeah i'm excited very much so it's gonna be rad uh anyways to cap this out 2022 is over the last thing to happen is lux eterna hit number one at rock radio and hit 11 million views on youtube on december 19th exciting stuff exciting year for the band for a fairly inactive year as far as touring goes um man they really ended the year with a bang with announcing all this new stuff which has got all of us just buzzing and ready for those shows to happen ready for the record to come out i can't wait that'll preach that'll preach well listen everybody we're thankful for you and uh, we got the party coming up we're gonna miss clint dearly but we're gonna have a good time and uh make sure you show up make sure you wear your multiple podcast gear any parting words, Mr. Clint? I have to go to the dentist now and get uh, a filling. That's what I have to do today. Those are my parting words. That's exciting yeah. stuff, man. Well, I'm glad you're taking care of yourself. You're yeah. trying to remain healthy. That's what the whole point of this whole thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you later. Peace. Adios. <laughs> if you were 
our advice or what would you say, then I would say delete that. <laughs>